0: John chapter 1, I hope you found that passage. Here's the key concept for today. God uses people to share the light. God uses people. Now let me talk to you about John chapter 1 as we begin this morning. First of all, John the Apostle writes the Gospel of John. And as he begins the Gospel of John, he begins in this chapter that unfolds itself in a a story of grand and glorious theology. He begins by saying, "In the beginning was Logos, was the Word." And as we read through the first few verses of the chapter, we find out that this word he's talking about is none other than God himself. The word is the creator God, the life giver, the eternal God. As we go further in the chapter, we see that the the word God came to the world that he created and he entered the, the, the people that he chose as his own, but he was horribly misunderstood. By the time you get to verse 12, we learn that this, the the mission that the Word was on was a mission to adopt people into a new family and to make them His own. And by verse 14, John says that He, John, was a witness to this glorious event, the Word made flesh, God Himself come in the miracle we call the Incarnation. John the Apostle has slowly and carefully unfolded this grand theological story and in the middle of it all, we read a sentence that at first doesn't seem to fit. It's verse 6. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. At first you you'd think, well, how does that fit into these grand themes, this, these majestic uh, ideas that he's unfolding? But I assure you that it does fit, and more than fit. It is essential that we see the way that God works. Our theme is the light has come. And the first thing we note here is that the light shines through a life. The light shines through the life of John the Baptist. It's important for us to know that because God did not have to make the announcement of the coming of the Messiah this way. I mean, he could have chosen a million different ways to um, uh, let the word be known that the Messiah was on the way. He could have pulled a a chapter out of his playbook from the Old Testament. And remember the fiery pillar uh, guiding the Israelites through the the wilderness by night? He could have had a fiery pillar set up and spoken out of the flames saying that the Messiah is on the way. Or he could have had angels appear on a regular basis in in the sky singing the songs of the Messiah. He might have used skywriting, fashioning the clouds to, to give us a message, or maybe having the stars spell out John three sixteen. maybe even fashioning our ears in such a way that when a certain kind of wind blew, we would hear the voice of God preparing us to receive the Messiah as he comes. God could have done all these things, many more than I can even imagine, but what he chose is to have a person tell other people about the coming of the Messiah there was a man sent from God. His name was John. This is the way that God shines His light. He shines to people, through people. And if you know Christ as personal Savior, you are meant to be those kinds of persons through whom the light of the love of God shines. John the Baptist was such a man. Let's talk about John the Baptist a little bit. John the Baptist, in the first century, He was a superstar. Everybody knew about John the Baptist. This man was a phenomenon. Everybody was talking about John the Baptist during the years of his ministry. That's not to say that everybody liked John the Baptist, and it's not to say that everybody agreed with John the Baptist, but but everybody noticed John the Baptist. He was famous, and he was controversial in his day during his ministry. Reminds me about a conversation I read uh, that Winston Churchill had with a woman uh, who was uh, chatting with him. She said to him, trying to flatter him, doesn't it uh, thrill you, uh, Sir Winston, that every time you make a speech, the hall is filled to overflowing? And Winston Churchill responded, it's quite flattering, but whenever I think of that, uh, I remember if instead of making a speech, I was being hanged, the crowd would be twice as big. Because... Churchill was both famous and controversial. And that's how John the Baptist was, famous and controversial. We go on in our our description of him. Look at verse uh, 7. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. John the Baptist came, a person telling other people about the light and the love of Jesus Christ. The, gospel, the uh, Apostle John goes to great length to remind us in verse 6 that John was just a man. He wasn't maybe an ordinary man, maybe not a run-of-the-mill person that, that you see every day, but he was a man living out his calling, the calling that God had placed upon his life. Matthew describes him in Matthew chapter 3 saying, John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan. Now, we read that description of John the Baptist, and maybe somewhere in the back of our minds, we say, yuck. I mean, I mean, who would go, go find a man like that? He eats bugs. He wears animal skins. This is the kind of man that you want to stay away from, kind of like a, a wild man. But that was not the reaction of the people of John's day. Because when the people in John's day saw John, they immediately connected to an image that really hadn't been filled for 400 years. And that is that Old Testament wilderness holy man, the prophet of God, who has set everything else aside to speak the word of God. And they flocked to him. They wanted to hear this message, something that they hadn't heard in in generations. This man is speaking from God. He is a man on a mission. He was sent by God. And what is that mission? Well, John tells us to testify concerning the light, to testify regarding Jesus Christ. John the Baptist made it very clear, I am not the light. The light is coming. I'm just a witness to the light. Now, as I thought about that phrase, a witness to the light, a question came up in my mind. And maybe it comes up in your mind. Since when does light need a witness? Light is self-authenticating. I mean, if you're in your home right now and the lights are on, nobody has to tell you, hey, there's light here, right? Light is obvious. Light doesn't need a, a, an announcement. It is, right, it is always there. You notice light when it is present. But John the Baptist is saying the light that he's talking about is coming. It's yet to come. Imagine it this way. Imagine you're a prisoner in a dark cell. And you've been in that dark cell so long that you've kind of forgotten what Light looks like, what what it's like to sit in the sunlight and have that light bask on your face. That's slipping from your memory. It's something that you're not really kind of conscious of any longer. But there is a person in the cell next to you who is reminding you of light, describing the light, encouraging you to remember that darkness is not all that there is. There's more. There's better. And it's coming. It's near. That's John the Baptist. In the midst of the darkness of his world, and the darkness of their situation there in the nation Israel, he's is, he is saying there is better, there is more. The light is coming. It's a light that they probably are forgetting about, a light that has slipped out of their mind, not on the front of their uh, of their consciousness, the idea that Isaiah had... Predicted that the people living in darkness will see a great light. John is saying to them, the light that Isaiah talked about is the light that I'm proclaiming, and he's on the way. That light is a person. It's Jesus Christ. You see, he's a witness. John is a witness. The Greek word that we translate witness there is the form of the same word we carry into our language as martyr. You see, inherit in being a witness is losing yourself in the mission, is making your life about somebody else, about something else, not about myself. And as John did this, people flocked. They came out of the cities, they came out of, away from their farms and their houses, and they came to listen. He was famous. Fame is a funny thing, fame does funny things to people. In fact, when you're around a famous person, sometimes you, know, you kind of don't act uh, uh, like you normally would. Uh, I heard a radio interview not too, too long ago with uh, uh, Alan Alda. You remember Alan Alda? He was the uh, star in the, in the TV show MASH and many other movies and television shows and so forth. And, and in this interview, he was telling about a time that uh, he and his family were traveling in Italy, and they came to the city of Pisa, and uh, he alone took a guided tour uh, with a private guide up into the Tower of Pisa. And the guide was so excited about having Alan Alda as his guest, showing this, uh, this famous person around. And so as they, he kind of laid it on thick as they went up the tower. He was talking about the fact that the, the tower could collapse at any moment, the, the stone, the weight of the stones could cause it to implode at any second, and kind of laying on a whole danger thing uh, on, with Alan Alda. And finally, they came to a, a piece uh, of, the, of the stairway there where uh, a sign had been put across the way saying danger no admittance and the man just brushed the sign aside and just indicated for Alan Alda to to go past the sign and um, Alan stopped and he said well wait a minute do people go through here and the guide said no no it's not safe but for you it's okay in other words as if somehow gravity would be suspended for the TV star Fame causes us to do funny things and, and act in funny ways. And John the Baptist was famous, but it's not about his fame. It's not about himself. He's about his mission. John is not in the desert building a following, he's not in the desert forming a, forming a group. Rather, he is a witness to another. The Messiah is on his way. Get ready. And John describes himself in verse 20. As he's asked about who he is and what he's doing, officials from the city came up and wanted to inquire regarding you know, this man who's drawing so many people out into the wilderness. And he, verse 20, we'll pick up the reading. He says, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. No. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. I am a voice. He's quoting that passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 40, verse 3. The passage that emphasizes the fact that it's not so much about the messenger, it's about the message. It's not about the voice, it's about the content. It's about what the voice is saying, the words that he's conveying. He's shining a light about the Christ. There is a rebuke here, I think, to this culture and certainly to our culture in our dangerous tendency to elevate the messenger rather than the message. And our dangerous tendency to get fixated on the, on the, the human leaders uh, in the flash and the dazzle of, of all the technology maybe and the leaders themselves and what they do to be caught up in fame and fortune, it's dangerous. John the Baptist didn't want to get caught up in that. I'm just a voice. It's the content. It's the message you need to hear. No doubt the crowds came to hear John the Baptist and they, were, had, they had all kinds of mixed motives. There were some people who were just out for a day trying to get out of the city. There were some people who were caught up in all of the, of the movement. This is the thing to do. This is what was popular. This is the fad. I'll go here, John, too. There were some because, coming out because maybe they wondered about this desert preacher or others truly spiritually searching, ready to repent and ready to be changed. And in, that, in the midst of those mixed motives and confused ideas, John wanted to make it clear It's the message that matters. I am just a voice. And in so doing, John gives us some wonderful lessons for how we today who know Christ as personal Savior are to live our lives. And lesson number one is this. John teaches us we need to stand out and be different as compared to those who don't know Christ as Savior. Remember John's diet? Eating locusts, wearing skins of animals, camels, skins... Now, God may not call you to eat bugs or to wear skins, but God is definitely calling you, believer, to not blend in to a world that, for the most part, sets him aside. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the New Living Translation says it this way, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will is. That's a great translation of that verse. You see, standing out and being different is not about wearing Christian T-shirts. It's not about having Christian bumper stickers on your cars. All those, that's all fine and good, but it's about the way you think. It's about changing the way you think and letting God change you from the inside out so that your behavior stands out. If we dilute the message, we weaken our ability to speak for Jesus Christ, and we we weaken that ability when when the world looks at us and sees no difference, sees us acting the same way, living the same way, doing the same things, speaking the same way. There needs to be a difference. When the world looks on Christians and sees no difference because of the touch of Christ, there's no urgency to hear about Christ, but it is urgent, and we are to shine the light. Let me tell you about the story of Lashonda Calloway. You've probably never heard of her, but Lashonda Calloway, the last thing she saw before she died was people stepping over her in order to shop. Stepping over her as she lay bleeding as if nothing had happened. The scene was this. She stopped in a convenience store in Wichita, Kansas. Somehow a fight broke out in the midst of that store and she was stabbed. And she fell to the ground bleeding out. And the surveillance camera in that convenience store captured five people stepping over her body in order to continue shopping while she was dying. Only one person stopped, and that one person who stopped only stopped to take a picture on a cell phone. Later on, the police spokesperson from the police department said this. The fact that people were more interested in taking a picture with a cell phone than, and shopping for snacks Rather than helping, this innocent young woman is frankly revolting. What happened to our respect for life? What happened was they're afraid to get involved. What happened was they're afraid to stand out, afraid to take an effort, afraid to be different, to, to uh, you know, uh, uh, interrupt the flow of normal life. And here's the parallel. When believers are afraid to stand out for spiritual things, to speak up for spiritual things, we are walking right past those who are spiritually dying. Only this death is eternal. It never ends. Instead, we need to be those that are obviously changed by the touch of Christ. And then when we are obviously changed by the touch of Christ and we have an opportunity to speak, we have lesson number two from, the, from John the Baptist, and that is we need to keep Jesus the issue. Speak about him. John the Baptist, when Jesus was identified, he said in chapter 3, verse 30, he must become greater, I must become less. He's the issue. He must become greater, I must become less. However, very often we begin to want it all to be about ourselves our ideas, our preferences, our ways, our opinions, the way that we make the decisions, the things we want to do. Soon the conversation is all about the way that we want things to go, and soon it's revolving around us, whether it's in our life, in our church, whatever it is. John's example would say, don't go there. Rather, make it all about Jesus. Make it about His salvation and hope and the light He brings. And John shows us the importance of making a spiritual highway, if you will, a way that it's easy for Jesus to enter the lives and the hearts of those around us. Verse 23, John calls out to the people, make straight the way. He's saying, I I want you to get prepared. I want it to be easy for the Messiah when he comes to be a part of your life so that you can know him and be set free. And the question for us today is, well, how do we do that? How can we be a part of creating, if you will, spiritual highways that, over which the gospel message of Jesus Christ can travel into people's lives? Well, John shows us again some of the pointers that we have to keep in mind. And the first is this, call sin, sin. We have to be ready and willing to call sin, sin. We live in a society that's changing the labels. We live in a society that's changing the categories. And, and if we blend into that, if we give into that, we are not able to bring the help that we need. Well, never, you're never able to heal anybody's diseases before you diagnose it. You have to have a diagnosis. I mean, how would you like it if you go to a doctor and the doctor saw that you have some dread disease, but he doesn't want to embarrass you, so he doesn't mention it. He doesn't want you to get mad at him, so he doesn't mention it. He's too shy. And one day he turns to you and he says, you know, I always knew you had that brain tumor, but, you know, I, I, I didn't want to upset you. That's not how you want your doctor to act. You want your doctor to identify the problem so he can bring a solution, and that's exactly what we need to be doing in our culture as followers of Jesus Christ. The message is not, I'm okay, you're okay, group hug. The message is, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in that situation, if, when you pass from this life to the next, in that situation, which is spiritual death, death just continues in separation from God for all eternity. But, and here's the next part, the good, the, the good news follows on the heels of the bad news. When Jesus is present, the bad news quickly gives way to great news, provide the message of hope and mercy and grace and peace. You know, we don't see the value of mercy unless we see the harm of our sin. And we're, if we're going to help build spiritual highways into people's lives, maybe your family members or the people you work with or, or in your neighborhood, we need to be able to talk about the problem, but also the solution. And the solution is Jesus. He already loves us. His mercy is already available. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I find it remarkable that people think they have to get themselves better, fix themselves up, somehow change something about themselves. And then when they accomplish some kind of change, well, then I'll come to Christ. Then I'll read my Bible. Then I'll come to church. I'll give up that habit. I'll stop doing that thing, and then I'll be all set. Then God will pay attention to me. But the point is this. He already loves us. He already knows us. He's ready to welcome us. He already died for us, and he holds out the gift that is taken only by faith. John shows us the importance of these steps. Speak the bad news, but speak the good news right away because God is is able to save, able to help. But John shows us one other thing, and that is the value of taking action, the value of acting on what you believe and what you know to be true. In this case, the value of the action of baptism. John asked his people, If you're really serious about preparing for the Messiah and you're going to repent of your sin and get yourself ready to receive him when he comes, I want you to be baptized going into that water in the Jordan River. Some of you have been on our trips to Israel and uh, you've been baptized in the Jordan River right near where where John's ministry took place. And John was calling them to do this this humbling activity. Put Put it to life. Do something about it. Don't just say it act it out. Now, John's baptism was a little different than our baptisms today. John's baptism is a baptism of anticipation, saying, I'm ready for when the Messiah comes. I'm longing for his arrival. But our baptisms today, when we baptize, it's a baptism of witness, saying, already, I know Christ as personal Savior. He has worked in my life, and I'm demonstrating that in this act of baptism. Baptism is an act of obedience. Jesus Told, told us, commanded us to do it. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it's, it, uh, uh, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when you're baptized, you are obeying that, that command. And when you obey a command of Jesus, you always are blessed. You are propelled forward in your walk of faith. But also, you are an instrument that shines the light of Christ as people witness that baptism, the point is this. God has chosen people to be the instruments of His light. The light of God's love shines to people through people as they speak and as they live and as they act in obedience to the commands of Jesus, particularly in baptism, those kinds of things. And the implication is that each of us has a role to play. We we need to find out the way God has wired us. Because some of you here uh, who are listening uh, to this broadcast, some of you are called to ministry as a career. You have to discover that. Some of you are called to missions. Some of you are called to represent Jesus in your place of business and in your neighborhood, maybe to serve the Lord in the ministries here at the church or in our community. We all have a role to play. We all have a place where we could shine the light but the light needs to, needs to go forth because it's not ours. We don't point to ourselves as we shine the light. What we're pointing to is Jesus and His love. God wants the light of His love to shine to people, through people. And if you know Christ as personal Savior, that is you. You can serve Him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank You for the life of John the Baptist. We thank You that he was a witness And we, too, are called to be witnesses. Give us opportunities. Remind us of of where we can shine the light. Give us courage to speak the words and help us, Lord, recognize that that as you flow through us, shine through us, spiritual uh, change will be occurring in those around us. We long for that to take place. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, we're going to share a communion together, but Monique comes to bring a special song in preparation.
1: you rule on David's throne. Your kingdom here is now established, Christ our Lord of Lords. grace of God with us. Born that we might know forgiveness, born that we should live, With joy and hope and expectation, our King will come again. The grace of God with us The grace of God with us
0: And thank you. For those of you who are going to share communion with us at home, I trust that you have uh, some juice and some bread nearby. I don't know about you, but uh, in my home we're already playing the songs of the season. One of those carols goes like this. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now you hear of endless bliss. Jesus Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. It leaves you with a question. What is the this that Christ was born for? Later on, the song answers that question. Christ was born to save. But the way that salvation was accomplished was that he was born to go to the cross to bear the penalty of our sin, the guilt of our sin, and there pay the price for our forgiveness the grave couldn't hold him because he's God the Son and he lives today. And he watches our worship and he asks us to remember me. Remember in a particular way. Remember in this tangible way called communion. The way that we take into ourselves the elements that symbolize the salvation that we have in him because of his suffering. John 15:13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life. For his friends. And we're going to pause just for a moment to allow you, right where you are, to prepare to take the communion elements through prayer, a time of confession and reflection. And then, after we've done that for a moment, then I will continue in our service of communion. So let's pray together. Lord, in this season of Advent, it's tempting to think only of the manger and only of Bethlehem. But Lord, we need to think of the cross and Calvary as well, because this was your mission and this is why you came. And Lord, we remember you as our sacrifice of atonement, as the one who earned our forgiveness, made a way for us to know grace and mercy. And we recall your sufferings on the cross. So thank you, Lord. We pray that you are blessed, pleased, and honored in the way that we worship you today. For we ask it in your name. Amen. The Apostle Paul reminds us of Jesus' institution of the Lord's Supper in the upper room. when Paul describes it this way. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you do this in remembrance of me so let's take that bread and eat together and the apostle continues describing that scene in the same way after supper he took the, he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me and the apostle adds Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, constantly proclaiming, Jesus died for me, until we see him face to face, let us drink together. Let's pray. Lord, we think of our Advent hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here. Until the Son of God appears. Lord, our spiritual exile comes from our own sin, but we thank you that that has been defeated and we have been reclaimed and we have been set free and we are yours today. In this week ahead, we'll have opportunities to speak words of witness, to shine the light of love. Help us to take those opportunities. Be, ver- be right there with us, whispering us, whispering in our ear, this is the way, walk ye in it. Show us the way that we are intended to live so that we may glorify you, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask all these things, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We trust that you will tune into our Christmas concert and we'll be with you again next Sunday morning. God bless you.